Photoshop picture, but I want to show you a picture of me back uh, late 2008. So let's see if we can pull that up. There we go. That is me, and you can see my two daughters there, just to prove that this was a, an ancient old, I, they could be like dolls that, that are lifelike looking, but uh, anyway, so that, that was me, and I, um, I mean, a couple of friends invited me out into the, to a park and say, hey, we're doing this thing called Cross, I didn't even know what it was, and so I just went outside at 5 a.m. in the cold winter, because I knew I was desperate for some kind of exercise, and I started, started doing this, and then they brought me into weight, I had never really lifted weights at all, and I, there was a barbell, and they put two plates on it, and I could barely even lift the bar. I mean, I've got it off the ground. I was like, oh, that was so heavy. He's like, that, like that's just like the warm-up weight. And I was like, oh, my gosh, it's pretty bad. Well, anyway, 14 years later, after some time, um, I have been able to lift a lot more than those, just those two plates, thankfully. So, it, it, and basically, that's what happened. So, I would just show up. I wouldn't, I never changed, didn't change my eating. I didn't try to become a weightlifter. That was never a goal and never really is now. I just kept showing up the class every day. And 14 years later, it's made a big difference for me. And I'm a lot healthier and certainly a lot stronger than I was and glad I can lift more than, than those, those two uh, measly plates that my, my friend put on the bar. Uh, but what I've learned through my experience with CrossFit and exercise in general is that there's a real connection between uh, physical exercise and spiritual exercise. Uh, there, there's, there's a dynamic connection that God has been teaching me about all throughout my life, and particularly the past 14 years as I've been doing CrossFit. And he uses, as we've been talking about, as we come out of our uh, last sermon series, that God uses uh, spiritual exercise as one of the means that he brings about transformation in each of our, in each of our lives. And so as we kind of enter this next uh, Next sermon series, which I'll get into in just a moment, I want to just take a moment to pause to pray and ask God that he would, he would strengthen us, okay? So let's, let's, let's do that. Um, Lord, I thank you that you are our strength and that you give us strength. And I, we pray, and, um, God, and as we were sensing earlier in prayer, there's, just, there's some folks here, that many of us here, we need strengthening by you. And so God, I pray that those of us who are feeling weak, and like, even like we sang about, we're desperate for you. And we pray by the power of your spirit, your presence in our lives, that you would strengthen us. That you would, in, in every area of our being, maybe there's some physical or mental fatigue, there, there's spiritual bondage, whatever it might be, God. I, we do pray that you would give us supernatural strength to become the, the men and women that you've called us to be and to live out the, uh, this, this life of becoming like Jesus. And uh, we look forward to what you're going to do and what you are doing in our lives. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so the last sermon series we just finished, if you're, if you're here for the first time or have maybe missed a few, uh, is called, was called The Invitation to Transformation. And what we did was we looked at several scriptures and we looked at several, a couple frameworks, actually, about how God, the big picture of how God changes people over the course of their lives, how they mature as a person, uh, like we start off like a small seed and then grow into a sapling that becomes a tree and then a forest. And then we, we have a time in our lives where we hit different stages of maturity. And John uh, really did a great job in leading us through on helping us understand the critical journey. One of the key parts of the critical journey is that at each stage of our maturity is, is part of the whole process. But one of those stages, I think one of the most helpful parts of that paradigm 
is that we all hit a wall. And it's good to recognize that there are times when we hit a wall, or to use more of the analogy we're talking about today, is we, we get to a weight in life, something that is unliftable with our current state of maturity or where we are as a person. And, but that is all part of the maturing process, understanding that we can all only do so much and that God brings us into new levels of maturity, but ultimately that God's will for us is to become like Jesus. That, if you want, are wondering what God's will is, he wants you and me to become like Jesus. He wants us together to be more like Jesus. That's the main thing. He's, Jesus said, go and make disciples. Disciples are people who are like the person they're following, learning from. And so key and core part of what Jesus told us to do and what we're trying to do as a church is to help become, help others become more like Jesus and walk through that process uh, ourselves as his apprentices. And so Jesus is really the ultimate picture of what the embodiment the impersonation, the, the incarnation of, of what strength in a person actually looks at. So if you want to know what spiritual strength, true strength is, in every capacity, Jesus is our, is our model. And it's through the, the power of his spirit given to us for those who put faith in Jesus and what he has done for us on the cross that we can now uh, live out this transformation light that he invites us all to. Okay, so I wonder, so the question is, as we've talked about that and in your life, I'm wondering, what steps have you been taking toward transformation, and have you been doing that? So maybe you're taking a step toward, um, to, toward spiritual growth. Maybe you're trying to build new habits in your life. Maybe you're trying to build healthy relationships. Perhaps you got involved in a small group, or you started a Bible reading plan, or you're trying to become more patient with the people all around you. Maybe there's some family members who have really been uh, you know, a little bit annoying, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, that, that might be a level, an area of growth for some of us. Not, I won't mention any names uh, here because, uh, well, anyway, we'll move on from that. But, you know, if you've tried to change, you, you, and that's been your experience, if you're actually attempting this transformed kind of life, you will, that's when you start hitting walls. That's where you start hitting those roadblocks that keep you from, from growing. You realize, well, you know, this is difficult. And it's really easy to become impatient with the process of growth. Have, has anyone here attempted to grow but be kind of grown impatient like me? Right? So, okay, thank you. So it's not just me. But it's like you want to get to that next step of maturity. Or you want to get past the same thing, whether maybe it's an addiction issue. Maybe it's a, an, a relationship conflict. Maybe it's, it's something that you've just dealt with mentally, an anxiety that you've been living with. And you're just like, when is this going to end? I mean, so many of us experience that, that those, those roadblocks, or you could even call them walls, and we often get impatient. So today, what we're doing is we're starting a new series. It's called uh, Boot Camp 23, okay? So where that comes from, so the word boot camp is, is the idea behind boot camp is not about the boots, and it's not about the camp, even though it's boot camp. It's about the training, okay? So here, let's go to the next slide here. You guys got to help me out. It looks like my uh, clicker's not registering. All right, so and in Boot Camp 23, 23, the number is based not for Michael Jordan. It, was, it wasn't random, randomly chosen. But God gave us the number 23, which is based on Psalm 23, as a blueprint for how we are supposed to live our lives as a church. This, that, that God wants us, very clear that as we were praying, God said that he wanted us to be a community that really brought to life Psalm 23 for people who live right here along Route 23. And what that means is to be a place, a community of rest, where people can come into God's presence and be restored, where they can be transformed. And so what we're doing is in all that we do, whether in leadership 
or on Sunday mornings or in our small groups is we're trying to help people come into God's presence and be restored by him to become ultimately more, more like Jesus. So what we do, what we're doing is what we're going to do is take just a couple weeks leading up to a very busy fall and we're going to remind ourselves and then what, what, it, what we often do is on our anniversary, our ninth anniversary is coming up uh, at the second week of September, so I'm excited about that. But leading up to that day, we preach through Psalm 23. What we, want, what we want to do is on the heels of our sermon series about the invitation to transformation where we spoke generally, I want to hone in on three specific exercises, spiritual exercises that we can all do, things that we found helpful, that we think that if we all did that, it, we would take steps toward becoming more like Jesus. And that, that's kind of the idea. So we'll highlight those three over the next few weeks, and um, we'll get into what we're going to do in a second. But uh, what we talked about in, the, in that previous series is there's three things we all need in order to create a context for transformation in our lives. Do you remember? Does anyone remember? Can they, they say those three things? Remember the triangle of transformation? Well, I'll think. I won't call on you, but here they are. So you need, you need community. You need people around you who can help you grow. Okay, you need people people who love brothers and sisters, friends, spiritual friendship to help you in your transformation and growth. Secondly, you need to change the way, as John put it last week, I think it was brilliant, to, uh, we need to update our thinking. We need to change the way we think, the narratives that we've developed about ourselves and about God. And then thirdly, we need new practices in our life. One way to put that is exercise or spiritual disciplines or the things we physically do with our bodies. In order to, to change, you need to actually physically change what you do as well. And as we do that, what that does is it creates a context where the Spirit of God, God's mercy, comes and fills it up, kind of like a cup. It fills the water of God. The Spirit of God comes and fills and brings us the life of the transformation that we need. So of those three kind of pieces of contact, we're going to just hone in on the discipline, a few specific practices that we can be doing, getting into the fall so that we can practice training for rest. It's kind of an oxymoron, isn't it? Training for rest. But rest is an invitation to God. It's a free gift. However, there are, there are ways that we can participate with God. It's not, it's not like it, there's no effort involved. We can participate with God's work in our lives, and so that's what we're going to do together. And so if you're wondering what our first, uh, our first uh, exercise is here for the day, okay, click. I call it weight training. So I thought it was a little clever if, if you didn't think so myself. But anyway... Uh, we're going to talk about the, the practice and exercise of waiting. Uh, do you remember Psalm 40? So do you remember Psalm 40 we talked about? I waited patiently for the Lord. He, he turned to me and heard my cry. Let's go to the next uh, slide there. Adam, please, if we could click there. There we go. Okay. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned and heard my cry. So the psalm, the prayer book, if you want to learn how to pray, uh, if you, that's, an effort, if that's the way you want to grow in your spiritually, one of my top recommendations is get out the book of Psalms. Ben wrote, uh, read one of those at the beginning today. Uh, re- just read through the Psalms and pray. Let those Psalms, you can adopt those as your own personal prayers. Uh, the Psalms are full, they're chock full of prayers that have to do with this theme of waiting. It's almost astounding how many times it talks about waiting explicitly or, uh, or just mentions it in, in the kind of the kind. Let's go to the next the next slide. Psalm 37, 7. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Let's pull up Psalm 38, 15. Okay, let's read this together. Ready? Lord, I wait for you. You will answer, Lord my God. And so 
what God does is often he makes us wait. And um, how many people here like waiting? Anyone? You know, waiting? That's their favorite thing to do? You get to wake up in the morning. You know what? I, I'm really excited to wait for, some, for the red light. I'm really, I'm really excited to, to wait to see if my kid grows up, finally gets out of those, those old habits. I'm really excited to wait for that next job promotion. It's really what I'm looking forward to today. I have never heard anyone in my 44 years of living say that or mention it. I don't even know if it's written on the internet, if you can find that. Uh, but it is not something we think about. And much what it means to follow God means waiting. So think about, think about all the heroes of the faith. Noah, he waited 120 years, faithfully building the ark for the flood to gain, for the promises that God had given, and he was being made fun of for 120 years. I mean, well, just think about it, being made fun of for 120 years for something that he told you were going to do. Um, Abraham, Abraham and Sarah, they were promised a child in an old age. They themselves could laugh at the situation. 25 years of waiting. Joseph, he was jailed. God had promised him uh, about a promotion, uh, that his plans were good for him. He waited 13 years in jail before he saw uh, what God had promised him. Um, Israel itself, uh, the, the nation of Israel, waited close to 500 years, hundreds of years of waiting to see the promised Messiah, what God had promised them in the midst of all, all that David himself King David waited 15 years, even after being anointed and called to be king. 15 years before he could see the promise of what God had given to him. The waiting. So here, here's one of the big ideas, is that if God is asking you and called you to a season of waiting, you are in good company as one of God's followers, as a, as a follower of Jesus. And the prophets themselves, they talked about specific ways in which waiting, God uses waiting. And waiting was a theme within the prophetic literature and what the prophets would tell God's people as they were waiting. And God, there's basically four areas I want to quickly highlight in which God uses waiting in each of our lives to, to bring about transformation and help us learn how to rest. Um, and God, and really the big idea is that God uses waiting as a primary means of training. And so how do we do that? Well, let's take a look at Isaiah 8:17. Firstly, in waiting, we see that God helps us understand and helps us build our faith by trusting him. Okay, I, I love the, the participation because these become our prayers. So let's pray this or read it and pray it together, okay? So together, Isaiah chapter 8, verse 17. I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the descendants of Jacob, I will put my trust in him. And so in rebellion, it seemed, to the, though, to the Israelites that God had been hiding from them. God had, had pulled away. In fact, the, the Israelites had turned away from God. And that's what we've learned again and again. What does sin do? Sin doesn't turn God away from us. Sin turns us away from God. And it, it may appear as though he's hiding from us, when in fact God himself is the best waiter of them all. God is the ultimate waiter. He waits for us and is waiting patiently for us to turn back to him and is actively calling us and inviting us into relationship with, with himself. You know, waiting itself is a form of belief uh, and faith and trust. And interestingly, in weight training and W-E-I-G-H-T training, when you, when you lift weights, what happens is that, create, that creates a tear, right? Those micro tears in your muscles. But that's not actually when the growth happens. The growth happens 
in the times of rest in between the exercise. And so weight training without rest is actually depletion. It is, it is destruction. There's rhythms of, of rest and work that happen even in weight training that are very similar and follow the same patterns of rest that we all experience in our relationship with God. There's rhythms of work and rest and stretching and growing and waiting patiently for God and actively engaging in what God calls us to do. And without that, that rhythm, we can't grow. And that, that rhythm builds a sense of trust and faith in him. Okay, secondly, let's pull up that verse from Hosea. What waiting does is it, it's often connected to obedience. The waiting is so important, it's actually tied almost, like consistently. I just, I'm going to show you two examples here. I'll, I'll read the first one. Hosea, which is a prophetic book speaking into the, you know, really uh, uh, a terrible time in, in Israel's history where they completely rebelled. But he says this, but you must return to your God, maintain love and justice where there, there wasn't that, and wait for your God always. Similarly, Psalm 119, 166. Let's read this as a prayer together. I wait for your salvation, Lord, and I follow your commands. And you can see that, that connection between waiting and following. So there is, an, there is a passive aspect of waiting, but there is also an active uh, aspect of, of our waiting on God. In fact, it's connected to obedience. So if you look at the converse of that, when we don't wait on God, biblically speaking, when we're not waiting on God, that's the biblical equivalent of disobedience, of actually rebellion, when we don't wait on God. And I want to show you an example. So I'll, I'll, I'll give you the context. So in Samuel, which he was a judge and prophet um, in, in the nation of Israel before there was a time of kings. And uh, God, the, the people of God had demanded, we want a king. And so he said, okay, you can have one. Here's, here's your king. And there's a guy named Saul. And Saul had this, this bad habit of not waiting on God because he wanted to have his way. And he got impatient. There was an instance, Samuel told him, God had commanded, listen, you need to wait to offer this sacrifice. But he had waited, he waited from what Samuel told him, the certain number of days, I think it was seven days. And he wasn't there yet on that day. So he got really impatient. All his men started scattering. He started getting really stressed out. So it's one of those situations you think like the circumstances are falling apart. You don't know what to do. He was anxious. So he just went ahead and offered this, this sacrifice anyway. And, and it just, it was like, I think the way the biblical text talks is almost like just after he offered it, Samuel, come, the, the prophet comes walking up like, oh, whoops, just, just a moment too early there. And then this is one of the things that Samuel says to him after he did this. So uh, let's pull up that first Samuel 13 verse. So Samuel says to him, you know, Saul, you have done a foolish thing, Samuel said. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God gave you. If you had he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will not endure. And he goes on to share a little bit more. But what happens is, is when we try to rush the timetable that God has established for each of our lives, he, God has established times of waiting for each of us at, at different intervals and at different timing that we don't understand completely. And we're not, it's not our job to understand that. But when we rush it and we try to preempt what God's timing is, we miss out on the kingdom blessings that God wants to offer each of us. 
See, God has, has, has these treasures, these, these heavenly treasures and blessings that he wants to give, gifts, but we often so, so get so impatient that we rush ahead and do our, do our own thing. It, might, it could look different ways. It could be rushing into a relationship or out of one. It could be rushing into a decision about a job. It could be uh, making uh, what we do day to day. We wake up in the morning and we rush into our day without actually spending time waiting for what God might have for us uh, in the morning. But I've often experienced that as I take time to wait, in fact, even though I feel that Russian anxiety of the day, I know many of us do, is that God multiplies the time and the opportunities and the kingdom blessings that we've laid out beforehand. In fact, one of the interesting connections, just, uh, I mean, very generally speaking, is that Jess and I had been spending some time waiting, and uh, with Liam coming, uh, we felt like God had, if we hadn't waited on him, there was something in the waiting that God had orchestrated for Liam to come here this weekend. And if we had just rushed ahead, gone on to our next thing that we had done, I think we would have completely missed what God had done. And I'm excited for what God uh, wants to do there as we, as we wait and continue to do so. But how many times have we missed on the kingdom blessings that God had for just simply because we've gotten impatient and try to go on ahead of him. See, we can often in today's, in today's world, we can, we can fall behind and we can fall behind what God wants us to do. But all, the, the, other, the other is also uh, helps us miss out and that's going ahead of him. God wants us, Jesus wants us to walk with him through the valley of the shadow of death. And we get in those valley situations and we just want to get out, right? We walk, but, but in Psalm 23, he walks with us through, in the valley of the shadow of death. There's a walking there's a waiting. It's not run sprint as fast as you can to get out of the valley. No, it's just walk patiently step by step. So you might be finding yourself in a valley right now. You might be in a place where you just want to get out of it, whatever that situation might be, like a, a relationship that is a strain and that job situation just does not seem to be working out. You know, there's pains in her life, things that eternal or internal uh, struggles that come from the past, you just want to get out of. And yes, Jesus wants you out of those things as well. But he doesn't want you to miss out in the moment, the, the training in the waiting that he wants to give, the blessings of learning how to trust and obey him in the midst of that that's happening. Remember that song, I think we've sung it, Ben, I think we've sung it, right? Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. And so waiting is training for training actually training time for reigning time and that happens in the waiting time as we wait on him he builds our trust builds our obedience and so remember to wait on the lord okay two more things that god does as we let's pull up that uh, passage from one of the prophets micah the third thing we learn in waiting is we learn to watch okay this is also another biblical theme we see running uh, from old testament into the new testament as well uh, Jesus talked about it in many parables. But Micah 7.7 7 says this, and this is kind of a prayer that Micah says, in the midst of godless, so he's surrounded, so this won't take too much imagination, okay, here. But imagine yourself surrounded by godlessness, injustice, and corruption, okay? All right, so it's in the midst of this, in his cultural moment, in this very cultural moment, that Micah prays this prayer as he's prophesying. Let's, let's pray it together, okay? But as for me... I watch in hope for the Lord. I wait for God, my Savior. My God will hear me. 
And the idea of waiting for salvation, this is one of the key themes of scripture itself, of the, the biblical meta narrative. waiting. We wait for our salvation because salvation does not come for us. And actually, waiting is a core part of the gospel. The good news is that we can't accomplish by our own efforts. We can't rush ahead, make ourselves right with God. We have to wait for what Jesus has done for us. And now, as we do, as Jesus has gone to the cross, risen from the dead, and given us his spirit so that we can be transformed into, his Christ, into Christ's likeness like him, we now wait again for the second coming of Jesus and his complete salvation to be made known all throughout the earth where Jesus makes all things new again. And now we are in that time of waiting. Jesus said in, to his disciples in John 5, he said, I only do what I see my father doing. And so how did Jesus do ministry? He was watching. He was watching to see what his father was doing and he blessed what God had been doing. And he did that by the power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, this is the model, that, how we teach the vineyard prayer model. If you're new to the vineyard, what we teach is a model of watching in prayer. In fact, what we do when we pray for people is we don't just say religious words. What we do is we wait and we watch for what God's doing in the life of the person that we're praying for and say, Holy Spirit, would you give me your eyes to see what I can pray for? And then we bless what God's doing in the person's life. It's about watching. And then finally, connected to watching is this idea of listening. Listen to what Jesus said in um, John three twenty nine. You want to pull that up? The bride belongs to the bridegroom. And this is the John the Baptist, actually. Um, he's, he's referring to Jesus and how he interacts with his people. He says, the bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends uh, the bridegroom waits and listens for him as if he, that's what he was doing for Jesus. And he's kind of modeling this for the people he's speaking to. And is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. And Jesus later talks in John how the, the sheep hear the shepherd's voice. They recognize the shepherd's voice. And that's very true actually in actual physical shepherding. The sheep will not respond to voices that are not the actual shepherd. So there's this idea of listening and what we do, what God's training us to do in the waiting. The training in the waiting is learning how to listen. And so in waiting, we learn to, uh, we, we learn to trust and obey and we learn to watch and to listen. And these are keys to helping us understand. And as we do, as we do, as we wait, what happens is our, we build our spiritual muscles. We become spiritually more sensitive we, come, we become spiritually stronger. We grow closer to God in all of these areas and more. These are just four, uh, four really clear ones we see in Scripture. But there's even much more that God has for us. But these are, these are the key. Think about Jesus himself. Jesus waited himself, who was God. He was fully man, but fully, fully God. Jesus himself waited 30 years before he started his public ministry. And that's, what was he doing in those 30 years? Well, he was waiting. He was trusting God. He was, he was listening to his voice. He was watching what God was doing. He, had, he was studying the scriptures. He was immersing himself in, in the community of faith. And when he was ready and God had commissioned him, when he, he, as he was waiting, then he began at just the perfect time. After Jesus rose from the dead, what did he say to his disciples? He told them to what? To wait. And so the disciples then spent time waiting listening, gathering together. So this waiting theme, there's something to this, this waiting thing that God had. Imagine the disciples going ahead and try to change the world without the Holy Spirit. I don't think they would have you know, gone very far. 
But it's the same with us. We often forget that God is calling us to wait, to watch, to listen, to trust and obey in the process. And it is, it is hard. It is, it's, it's, it's difficult. It, it is, like I mentioned at the beginning, something that causes all of us impatience. But in fact, what if the waiting itself is the main thing that God, the main vehicle that God is using to change us, to become us more, to help us become more like Jesus himself? Instead of rushing ahead and missing out what God has for us, we need to wait. Be present to God in the moment. And guess what? We do that all the time, okay? I could probably tell you 10 examples from my own life where I've done that. And we do, and when we do do that, you know, the good thing is God just kind of recycles the test again. So you're going to enter another season of waiting. He's like, okay, well, you wanted to rush out of that one? Here's another one for you. And it might be a little bit longer. What happened to the Israelites? They didn't pass the test. It was once supposed to be a long time in the wilderness. They ended up spending 40 years in the wilderness. What were they learning? They're learning to wait, to watch, to listen, to obey, and to trust in him. Waiting is key, and it's God uses our waiting time as a training time in each of our lives. So here's one way to think about it, and I'll close. I want to give you a kind of a practical suggestion, something that's really helped me in waiting. But before we do that, I think one of the ways, one of the questions I've had as I've wrestled with waiting is how much, how much of it is, am I active in the process, and how much is it, is God active? And it's not an either-or kind of situation. It's like, right, there's a rest. There's this rhythm of, of resting or working, exercising, and resting that builds the, the spiritual muscle that God wants us to have. There's both the active and there's both the passive that happens together. And one of the best illustrations is a very common illustration in nature uh, that's often used by Jesus. James puts it this way, the brother of Jesus. Let's pull this up. When he talks about this, I think it gives us a good paradigm. And it's something we've talked about before, so you might not be surprised by the, the imagery he uses here. But James 5 says, in 5.7, he says, Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. So when you plant a seed and grow a crop, there's both activity and passivity. There's both active parts and passive parts. So you plant the seed. It takes effort to plow the field. You have to physically plow the field. Sometimes you have to remove rocks. You have to put the seeds in to the ground. You have to actively water. But in, in, that, in that time, they didn't have like intense watering systems like we did. So there's a waiting. You have to wait for the rains. You have to wait for the harvest. You have to wait for the sun to shine. And so there's this, this participation, there's an active part and passive part that, that both happens in, in the waiting. And as, as we do, there, there's growth that happens. Here's, here's one of the things I have to remind myself, I'll just remind you of this now. If you've been making effort to become more like Jesus, to grow spiritually, you have to remember spiritual growth is very slow. As one of my um, spiritual fathers would put it, Phil Strout, it's a slow kingdom coming. It's a slow kingdom coming, but it's, but it's a powerful kingdom coming. It takes years, sometimes hundred, for the mighty oak to grow. But after those hundred years, after very small increments of growth, those trees can be the strongest in, in the entire forest. And in fact, you know the stronger, what the strongest trees are? The strongest trees are the ones that have experienced times of, of famine where there was not a lot of rain. In fact, the rings, if you, look, if you cut to a cross-section of a tree... And you can look, there's, the rings are different sizes in the tree. 
And the ones where they're, they're closest together are the years when there's the least amount of rain. But when you have multiple years of the least amount of rain, and they, that's what it makes it actually more compact and stronger. So the tree is actually stronger in those places where they're the, the least amount of rain. Well, where it may seem you grow fastest where there's a lot of precipitation over the course of many years, those difficult years are what makes you the most strong. And that's the way it works for trees and that's the way it works for us. It's a slow kingdom coming. This is waiting time for training time. And God is using the pain, the difficulty in our lives to build us to become more like Jesus. So how can we be intentional? I want to share one more scripture and then one practice that I think would be beneficial to practically uh, <clears throat> do this in our lives. Psalm 5, verse 3. Let's pull that. Let's read this together. In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait expectantly. This is one of those that you can literally do every day. You can lay your request before the Lord. It's very simple. And then, but there's not just lay your request before there and leave. You don't lay your request before and then go read the newspaper. You don't lay your request before them and then check your email. You don't lay your request before God and then go on the internet. No, it's wait expectantly. What if we were intentional about that second part? I think a lot of us are good at laying our request before God, but how many of us take the time to wait and to listen and actually believe that God will give us an answer when we lay a request before him? Sometimes that happens immediately. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it takes years. Sometimes it takes 40 years. It might take 13 years or 15 years before you get an answer. But waiting and expectation is a key. So for me, as we close now, I want to suggest something that has been very helpful for me. It's actually a practice that it's a, it's a spirit, I would call it a spiritual discipline that I started over 30 years ago. So I've been doing this for 30 years consistently, just kind of sh just showing up. And sometimes I felt like it, sometimes I didn't. And I get out of bed and it's, and it's, and it's the, the specific exercise would be called uh, prayer journaling. And the reason why I would recommend prayer journaling is multiple reasons, why it helps us wait on God. What journaling does is it slows you down and gives you a context to watch and listen. If you're like me, I am very distracted. I am easily distracted person. I have lots going on. For me, I'm distracted by what I have to do. You might be distracted by something else. But for me, I'm distracted by what I do. But what writing my prayers down is it focuses me and keeps the distractions uh, to the side. So I can focus my prayers. And so what, I, what I'll usually, not only that, but, but what journaling does is it creates a context for you to actually wait and listen. And so when you lay a request before him, you can write it out, you can actually pause and then practice listening to what God might be saying to you in response. And so it doesn't happen every single day, but I'll give a prompt in my journal and then I'll wait for what God might be saying and I'll write it down. I won't judge it in the moment. I'll kind of do that afterwards, I'll review, but I'll practice listening and waiting for what God does. Sometimes I'll hear something, sometimes I don't. Sometimes I'll get an answer later on in the day that's almost, it's exactly what I had just prayed. Like, God, can you please show me? And then what that does is it primes me to be able to wait for what God's going to show me later on in the day. It's been incredible for me. So how do I do it? So here's, I'll just give you a little bit of a 
how it looks for me. Now, you know, journaling, writing might not be your thing. That's okay. But I would encourage you to find something. But if you don't have this practice of waiting, I would encourage you to at least try it to see, to see how, how it works for you. So I, I wake up, I open my journal, and I just write. I, I, I watch what God had done the day before. So I reflect on the day before. Sometimes it can happen at the end of the day. For me, it works better in the morning. And I just give gratitude for all the things, the blessings that he had given me the previous day. It might be a conversation I had with my son or the opportunity to play soccer, or a really good meal, a cheesesteak that I ate. It could be, you know, a, <clears throat> a reflection of something that I've seen God doing in someone else's life. Whatever that is, I write it out. And then I write out all the things that were difficult for me. This is a pain in my life. This is, this is challenging. And I, I lay my request, and I use that to lay my request before God. I just write it out. Now, there's some other things I do, but that, that's basically uh, the beginning. And there's other ways we can look at that. You can frame it. You might call it the prayer of examine, where you can look at your consolations and desolations. But just on the simplest level, what you're doing is you're, you're using your journal, your prayers, to wait and to watch and to listen for what God's doing. And so when I do that daily, on my day of rest, my Sabbath, which Teresa is going to be, I'm really excited for that. She'll be talking about that um, in, next week. But what I'll do is I'll open up my journal and I'll read through everything that I thought God was doing and, or giving. And I'll, I'll write a summary of what had happened that, that week in my journal. And then, if, I'm, if my planning has worked correctly and I've been waiting, what I'll do is every three or four months, it takes me about three to four months to fill up a journal. It's one of those marble notebooks, that you know, those composition books that they use in elementary school. I just do it because it's simple and it's consistent and you can buy them for cheap, and they're cheap. I'm just cheap, okay? That's really what it is. Oh, I get those. I don't want the fancy stuff. But anyway, I, I get those books, and then at the end of the four months, I go away on a retreat for like a 24-hour retreat, and I review the weekly, what God had been done weekly, so then I can get a sense of what God had been doing. I'm watching and listening for what God has been doing in my life over the past of, of the three or four months. And the rhythm of doing that for 30 years has made me spiritually stronger and more consistently self-aware to be able to recognize the rhythms of God in my life. And I have become spiritually stronger as a result. Now, the journaling in of itself is not the thing, but it's the watching, it's the trusting, it's the listening, and how I respond to what God is saying. And I have a choice. I can see what God's doing, and I can either change the way I think about my life or not. But this is the rhythm that God has used in my life. And I would encourage you to at least try it if it's not something that you've done. I would call it my spiritual weight training. And I think it's an invitation that he has for each of us today. And as we wait, really the second part, so that's a practical thing, but most of the waiting, you know what happens? It happens in the details of your life. It happens in the circumstances that are difficult. When we engage in weight training, W-A-I-T, what we need to do is we need to really update our thinking. We need to think differently about the difficulties we experience. We stop imagining all of the worst case scenarios that could possibly happen. We stay present with God in every moment to moment. We surrender our timetable to God and stop waiting for a future in which we can finally live in. We live here in the present now because that's where God is found, in the present now here with us. We also let go of control of our own lives and of the lives of others and God's timetable to change and grow. And as we wait, what happens is 
He, he, he invites us and the trust that, we, that God gives us frees us from restlessness. It frees us from impatience. And God gives us and allows us to step into somehow in a cosmic way, we step into God's timetable who stands above all space and time. And we can see things better from God's perspective. Waiting makes us, as we wait with Jesus, because we can wait impatiently and become more of a bitter person, or we can wait with Jesus and become a more person who is more like Jesus. And this is the invitation today. So let's, let's do some practice. Let's do some training now. Hey, every Sunday is an opportunity for us, and I love um, how Ben and some of our worship leaders are intentional about creating space for waiting, even as we worship. But what I want to do is create space right now, time of quiet, contemplation, reflection, meditation, if you will, to wait on God and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us. And I want to give you a couple prompts to help, help focus your thinking. Okay, so here's, here's the first thought. One, is there any area of your life in which you're waiting that you're actually, you should be waiting, but you're not. You're rushing ahead of what God wants for you. And I think that's an opportunity to, to change, to think differently, to repent of that. Just talk to the Lord God about it. And then number two, maybe you've not had a chance to actually wait, lay your request. This is the morning. And we're going to lay out, you can lay your requests before God about that thing. Or maybe that's it. This is an opportunity to just lay some requests before God. But here's what I want you to do as you lay those requests. Wait and see if God would say anything specifically about it. Okay? So I'll undo. I'm going to just give us two minutes or so. And we're just going to wait. And then we're going we're gonna to listen. Or we're going to worship after that. So Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you train us, even in this very moment right now, to wait on you? to wait on you so that we might learn how to trust and obey and to watch and listen, to enter into the rest that you invite us into. Speak, speak, Lord. In the morning, Lord, you hear our voice. And this morning, we lay our request before you and wait expectantly. Build our, our faith in you, Lord. Make us strong in you. Slow us down where we've rushed ahead and give us vision for the waiting period that we're currently in. We might not miss out on the kingdom blessings that you have. Amen.